Well, today we get to continue our quest of trying to understand uh, the Bible. It's a quest that I hope will bear a lot of fruit uh, for you all. As I remember, uh, when I was a kid, I would lay in my bed and read my Bible because I know that's what I was supposed to do as a Christian. I was supposed to read uh, the Bible on my own. But when I read uh, the Bible, as I would often read in uh, my bed, um, it was all about checking something off the list. I wasn't organized enough to actually have a physical list, but checking off something on my mental list that I had in my head because I knew that, hey, I needed to get this done, so I was going to do it. And so there's a great sense of satisfaction uh, that would flow through my, my veins and the hormones be going through my body. And I had that satisfaction after I would successfully uh, read uh, God's word. But I missed out on a lot of the beauty behind uh, God's word in that regard, um, especially as I was often confused with what I read, as it was all about just getting it done, just I need to read a couple of chapters of my Bible today, and I didn't quite really understand what I was reading. I had that experience, that instance, like many of you guys may have, where I get done reading and I ask, what in the world did I just read? And hopefully we can help eliminate that instance as we go throughout this series and helping you guys better understand what you are reading in your personal devotions as you read through the Bible. And hopefully it's my prayer that you can see just how marvelous God's scripture truly is. And you can really take advantage, full advantage of the divine miracle it is that we have access to God's word today. That's a testament to how incredible this word is because so many people throughout the history of mankind have tried to get rid of these words but through nothing short of a divine miracle, we have access to God's word. And how it's our duty, it's our responsibility to be digging into the scriptures on our own on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and not just here on Sunday morning. And so from here on out, as we continue uh, and as we develop through this series of how to read the Bible, we're just going to be breaking down each section of the Bible. Last week, we talked about the law. Today, we're picking up with the section second section of the Bible, and that's history. And again, I understand that uh, you guys know me pretty well by now, that I uh, have passion, I have energy. I may not be the smartest guy in the room, but I got energy. I'm a young guy, um, and I love to preach it. I get a lot of times people uh, compare me to a good old Southern Baptist, uh, good old-fashioned Southern Baptist preacher. Uh, but again, throughout this series, that's not what we're really going through. It's more we're going back to the classroom setting and how we can better understand God's scriptures. So as we talk about uh, the books of history today, there are 12 books, and they are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Those are the 12 books that we are going to be talking about today. As again, the Old Testament is organized 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Five books of law, 12 books of history, five poetry, five major prophets, and 12 minor prophets. Now, when we're dealing with the Old Testament, about three-fourths of the Bible, this section, the section of history, is my favorite section of the Old Testament. 
Testament, uh, hands down. Uh, a big part of that is because it's almost all historical narrative. There's bits of poetry, there's bits of discourse, but the bulk of the 12 books of history is historical narrative. We, we are taken along on a big story of God dealing with the Israelites. And throughout these 12 books written by individual people, we see that they all connect as they're all part of one grand plot, one grand story that God has woven together and one beautiful collection of books known as the Bible. And so with that being said, and these 12 books of history, this is material that when we're reading on our own, we can kind of cruise through these 12 books. A lot of times we may need to take our time, especially in the New Testament, we're dealing with discourse and we're dealing with these different authors, Uh, we're dealing with Jesus' words, teachings, and they're trying to make a deep philosophical or theological argument, Uh, but that's not really the case here in uh, these 12 books of history. Instead, we're just telling the story of the Israelites and God and the nation surrounding uh, the Israelites. And so it's, it's a big old story. We, we, we all love stories. Since the beginning of mankind, men and women, that we've been telling stories to one another. That's how we entertain ourselves, whether that's in the form of a movie, of a book, of listening to the radio, of talking with one another. We love stories. Over the past couple of years, I've been uh, reading on average about 10 uh, to 12 books a year. I wish it was a lot more uh, than that. Uh, but typically, when I read, I try to get a lot of value out of it, and I want to learn something. So I spend a lot of time reading uh, like theological books or self-help books. But recently, I've had this urge in me to read a good story, a good novel that I can read. Really, the last time outside of the Bible that I tried to read a good story uh, was a couple of years ago, uh, right before Ezra was born, when I tried to read Moby Dick. And I shared a couple weeks ago how great that experience uh, went. Um, Not so well. Um, But recently, I've been uh, just on our way to the funeral uh, this past week. I started listening to an audio book, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, uh, on my way to the funeral, because I wanted to listen to a good story. And if you ever have that urge to listen or to read a good story, you can flip to the 12 books of history as well. Because let me tell you, it is a great, great story. And so as we progress through these 12 books of history, it plays along like a big story. We, have, we see the plot uh, develop and progress throughout uh, these 12 books. Um, but uh, one big hurdle in understanding these 12 books of history is knowing the sequence of events. And so again, uh, this week, we're going to be going back to the whiteboard, and we're going to be uh, doing a timeline again and dealing with these 12 uh, books of history. She did not understand that. So here we go. We, we, we got uh, a promotion uh, here uh, this week. We got a bigger uh, whiteboard. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, uh, while I was down at the Bible college, uh, there was a computer school around us that was going out of business, I guess, and we got to uh, rummaged through all their material, and we got to pick whatever we wanted, so I got a whiteboard, and uh, it was a big, filthy mess, so I spent an hour of my morning 
cleaning the whiteboard off and Jen helped this morning as well. So here we are, a big spanking uh, whiteboard for us and we get to go through uh, the history of the, uh, well, the history of the 12 books of history. And so these 12 books of uh, history, they all start uh, over here at the beginning. This would be about 1400 BC, and this is the conquest of Canaan. So the 12 books of history pick off right where uh, the five books of the law left off. If we remember from last week, Moses, he led the Israelites uh, out of the land of Egypt where they were enslaved. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And at the end of that 40 years, Moses led the Israelites right outside, just across the Jordan River from the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land that God promised to Abraham. And then starting in Joshua, the first book of history, it picks up right where we left off where God instructs Joshua to then lead the Israelites. And so that's exactly what Joshua did. He led the Israelites into the land of Canaan, and they conquered the land of Canaan because the Israelites spent hundreds of years outside of the land of Canaan, and there were many people who inhabited uh, the land of Canaan. But that was a land that God promised to the Israelites. And so around 1400 BC, we see the conquest of Canaan, and Joshua and the Israelites, for about 10 years, uh, scholars think it was about nine years to be more exact, about nine years, uh, they went through and uh, conquered the land of Canaan. Yeah, I think it's tilting here. I'm going to try not to, oh man, our, white, our stand is struggling. Mike just fixed this last week. What was that? I'm not sure. Mike, can I uh, get your assistance? Well, while you play with that, I'll continue along here. Thank you, Mike. Uh, so for about uh, 10 years, uh, the Israelites, they are conquering uh, the land of Canaan. And then shortly thereafter, am I straight? No, Annie's, everybody else says yes. Annie's just shaking her head. <laughs> straight enough. Straight enough for who it's for, right? I'm sorry, that was mean. Uh, so about 10 years after the conquest of Canaan, uh, we see the time period of Judges. We see uh, that the Israelites, yes, thank you, Mike. We see the Israelites, they didn't have a king like all the uh, surrounding nations, uh, but they had different local judges, different local leaders that uh, would help govern uh, the people. And this time period of the judges lasted a couple hundred of years until around... 1020 BC, uh, we see we are introduced to three kings. And some of these dates, like the three kings, is dates that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we first introduced uh, this series. Uh, we see after the time period of Judges in the book of Judges, we see that we are introduced to three kings. We're introduced to Saul, we're introduced to David, and we are introduced to Solomon. These three gentlemen are the three kings of the unified nation of Israel. And so Israel looked around them. They saw that all the other nations, they had a king to govern their people. 
and they looked at these nations with jealous eyes. And so they pleaded to God, God, we want a king. And so ultimately they rejected God as their king, but God granted them their wish. He, he gave them a king. And so through the prophet Samuel, uh, God anointed Saul to be the first king that Israel had. And so that was about, uh, about 1000 uh, BC uh, to keep things simple. And so these three kings, they were uh, kings of the unified uh, nation of uh, Israel that they had. Uh, but then unfortunately, Around 930 BC, we see that the kingdom is divided. And we see here we have the ten northern tribes of Judah and the two southern uh, or the ten northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah. And uh, under uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, the kingdom was divided as Rehoboam foolishly listened to some uh, young, uh, unwise counsel, and uh, he made the people's work harder. The people didn't like that, and so the people, they went to rebel, and so they started their own separate nation. And so then we have the ten northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah. And as we progress through these 10 uh, northern tribes of Israel and the two southern tribes of Judah, we have to understand that the 10 northern tribes of Israel, they did not seek God. Of all the kings that they had, around 20 kings, uh, not a single one of those kings that they had was good. Not a single one of them was righteous. Not a single one of them followed the laws of God. They did not have a heart that sought to please God. And so the, Israel, the, the 10 northern tribes of Israel, they completely fell away from God. Now, the two southern tribes of Judah, they were a bit better off. They had their fair share of bad kings, kings who led the Israelites to uh, adultery, to idolatry, uh, to worshiping foreign gods, you name it. Uh, but fortunately, Judah also had a handful of good kings, uh, like King Hezekiah, King Josiah, a couple uh, to name off there, uh, of the good kings uh, that Judah had. But because of the disobedience of Israel in 721 BC, again a date we talked about a couple weeks ago, in 721 the Israel is conquered. They're conquered by Assyria. Oh goodness, we're losing it. They're conquered by Assyria. I hope you guys can see that. Conquered by Assyria in 721 uh, BC. So for about 200 years, uh, Israel uh, survived as a nation. Um, but because of their disobedience, uh, God uh, handed them over to the Assyrian Empire uh, to be conquered, to be uh, captured, because they weren't following his will. And then shortly, or not really shortly thereafter, about 140 years after the two southern tribes of Judah was conquered by Babylon. Beauty, let's try this again, shall we? They're conquered by Babylon. Excuse the chicken scratch. 
as uh, Babylon was the, the main uh, empire of that time, and they conquered Judah because, again, people of Judah followed the influence of their, the ten northern tribes of Israel, and they completely fell away from God, and so God handed them over to the Babylonian empire. And so then for a, around 70 years or so, this is 586, and these two dates we, uh, 586 and 721, uh, Judah being conquered and Israel being conquered, those are dates that we can know with pretty uh, specific details because of records, like from the Babylonian Empire and so forth. A lot of these uh, dates are rough estimates, uh, but those are uh, pretty exact. Um, but then for around 70 or 80 years, um, we see that the people, they are in exile. So for... This period, we see, or I, I guess it's after this period. So here's Judah's conquered. And so for about 70 years, we have the exile. The people of Israel, they were cast away from the land. They were no longer uh, able to stay in uh, the land of Judah or the land of Israel as they've been uh, captured. Um, but then, if you remember from your world history class, there was a king uh, of the Persian Empire under the name of Cyrus. And King Cyrus, who conquered the Babylonian Empire, he allowed uh, the Israelites to return to the promised land. And so for here we have this great exile that lasted uh, for about 70 or 80 years. And then at around 500 BC, we have the exiles return. The first group of exiles return. They were able to return to uh, the land of Judah. And we see that there are three main waves of the exiles returning. And the old, or these 12 books of history ends around 400 BC. And we just get more details of the exiles returning in that 100-year span. And so all in all, we see that the 12 books of history cover about 1,000 years uh, of history. And uh, that's a lot of history to cover in 12 small books. To kind of help you uh, get a better grasp of 1,000 years, uh, we can understand that, you, that the United States was founded about 250 years ago. And so if you times that by four, that's how much time is covered in just 12 very short books of history. And so again, uh, ancient Jewish literature was very brief, very scarce on details. And so there's major event after major event after major event. A lot takes place uh, within those thousand years. But now one reason why I appreciate uh, these 12 uh, books of history is that nearly all of the events recorded in these 12 books, they're almost all recorded in chronological order. So you can start in the book of Joshua, and as you read through Joshua and Judges and Ruth and First and Second Samuel and so forth, it all takes place almost in exact chronological order. Just a couple of books are in exact chronological order, and uh, we'll talk about those in uh, just a second. But this is really what we need to understand from the 12 books of history. This is, this is the story that's progressing through uh, the, this time period, through these 12 different books, as again, it's all mostly historical narrative. And so if we understand the sequence of events, then really 
you understand in, 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 in general terms, in brief terms, then you understand the 12 books of history. And I want to make this as easy as possible uh, for you all. So to even make it in more simple terms than all of this, we can really break this down into three different sections. And we, we have a slide uh, for each of those. Ben, if you have the first slide, uh, the, the first section in the 12 books of history, we can just call before the kings. This is before Israel had a king. And these are the books Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And so the main, uh, main events in uh, this time period before the kings, we see the conquest of Canaan, that's what the whole book of Joshua is about. And then we also see the period of Judges, the, the, the time that Israel had these local rulers. And you guessed it, the book of Judges is all about uh, the time period of Judges. And so that's up from around uh, 1400 BC to, 12, or to 1020 BC. This is before the kings. That's the first uh, major time period in uh, these uh, 12 books of history. The second uh, major time period in these 12 books of history, uh, we can just refer to as the kings. And these are the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. To help you memorize that, it's just all the books that are 1st and 2nd, and they're all back to back. 1st and 2nd Samuel, Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. They all describe the history of Israel during the time of the kings. And so the major events in uh, this major time period, we see the three main kings, that's uh, Saul, David, and Solomon, uh, when uh, the kingdom was unified under God, under one king. And then we see under Rehoboam, Solomon's son, we see the kingdom is divided. We see that Israel is conquered by Assyria, and we see later on Judah is conquered by Babylon because of their disobedience. A lot takes place um, within this section, the kings, all about the time period that Israel had a king. And so this uh, goes all the way to uh, the conquering of Babylon. This is the kings, this blue time period there in the middle. That, that's the bulk of it. That's about 500 years Israel had uh, the separate kings. From 1020 B.C. to about 586 B.C. was the kings. And then the final major time period in the 12 books of history is, you guessed it, after the kings. And they, these are the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. And so the, the main events in, uh, as far as the time period after the kings, number one, we see the great exile. That's not talked about in, in much detail or depth, but we see that the Israelites, they were exiled. A lot of the emphasis in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are the exiles returning. And as the exiles were returning, they came in three uh, big groups over a span of about 100 years. Ezra, uh, he was, uh, played a main role in one of those uh, waves, the second wave. And when Ezra returned with a handful of Israelites, as they returned to Jerusalem, uh, the, the capital city of Judah, after it's been tarnished by Babylon about uh, 100 or so years beforehand, it's, they come to see it in ruins 
and the people want to rebuild the temple. And so Ezra, he played a key role in rebuilding the temple. Not my Ezra in the nursery, but uh, the prophet Ezra, the, the, the scribe Ezra, who lived uh, thousands of years ago. And then after Ezra, uh, we, we are introduced to a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah leads a group of people back to Israel as well. And they uh, find out that they, need, they have the need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to keep themselves safe. And uh, so that's the book of uh, Nehemiah. And then Esther doesn't really uh, necessarily take place after uh, Nehemiah, but Esther is just talking about, it's a story uh, about the Israelites as they were in exile in the Babylonian uh, area. And I failed to mention beforehand, I told you I was going to tell you the other books that were in chronological order. And that's First and Second Chronicles uh, in the section uh, about the kings. Because First and Second Samuel is all about uh, Saul and David. And then First and Second Kings are all about uh, Solomon and the kings after him. But then First and Second Chronicles then just summarizes, it recaps everything that took place in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. But outside of First and Second Chronicles and Esther, everything else takes place in chronological order, and that makes life so simple, so easy for us, as we'll see here uh, the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, it's kind of scattered throughout, and that's where a lot of confusion can take place as well. But if I'm going to be honest with you guys, uh, these uh, 12 books of history is probably the easiest section for us to come away with an uh, understanding of what God is trying to tell us. As again, it's all just one big story taking place, all from uh, starting with the 12 books of history, when the Israelites were going to conquer the land, we see them progress through kings, and the kingdom's divided, and then they leave and they come back. That is the story of the 12 books of history. And now, of course, when you go in and on your own time, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, on your own time, when you're reading through these 12 books, you're going to see more details. You're going to see some of the smaller stories that are found throughout uh, these events. But if you just come away with an understanding of the basic sequence of the major events, then I'm telling you, you're going to understand these 12 books of history way, way more than you would have before not knowing uh, the, this basic sequence of events. So I'd really, really encourage you guys to just put this, try to put this into memory as best as you possibly can. You could even just break it down into the before kings, the kings, and uh, the after uh, the kings as well. Whatever floats your boat, but it's all just one big story. Once you understand that, you understand the 12 books of history. And when we're reading through this material, when we're reading through this historical narrative, it's imperative that we remember that we are not trying to imitate the Israelites. We are not trying to imitate the Israelites. We're not trying to imitate King David. We're not trying to imitate uh, King Solomon or Ezra or any of these other heroes of our faith in historical narrative because every single one of them has flaws. Every single one. And so rather than trying to imitate these great heroes of our faith, 
We should try to place ourselves in their shoes, understanding the, the context of where these events take place. And when we put ourselves in their shoes, we then can learn from both their, the, their successes and their failures. And so it's my hope and it's my prayer as you go down and read this section, I hope that you can genuinely enjoy the section of the Bible because, again, for me, this is my favorite section in the Old Testament because I, I personally like history. I love doing, uh, looking at timelines. I hope that didn't bore you uh, to death. But I love reading about how God dealt with the Israelites. You get to see firsthand of the, the, the patience and the, the wisdom and the grace and the loyalty and the faith that God had in dealing with the Israelites because we learn that we serve a good, good God. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for all that you do for us. Father, I just pray that as we dig into your scriptures on our own time, Father, I pray that you just uh, help Help us come away with an accurate and true interpretation of your word. I just pray that we can come away with understanding, that we can know what you want us to know. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the miracle it is that we have access to your word today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.